0: Welcome to Minister's Life and Work, brought to you by Bob Yunker. A Minister's Life and Work podcast strives to provide you with solid content with clarity and relevancy, providing you clear options of application to our culture and with an eternal purpose. We'll touch on a variety of discussions and topics that revolve around my life and work as a minister of a small rural church in Eastern Oregon. Some of these topics may include the Bible, the news, church culture, marriage, parenting, billiards, running, and even include some reviews of books I've been reading. I'll try to end each episode with three life applications. Let's begin. Thank you for all the supporters, followers, and subscribers to A Minister's Life and Work. If you find this of value, be sure to share it with others. I am Bob Yunker, a senior pastor of a small rural church in Eastern Oregon. In each episode, you'll get to know me in some fun and unique way. For example, I really, really love the Chick-fil-A original sauce. I love it so much that I'll use my pointer finger, my index finger, as a spatula to scrape off any remnants of sauce in its small little container. That is me. Years ago, while being interviewed for associate pastor, youth pastor position for a church on the northern Oregon coast, the typical question arrived during the interview process. What do I do on my spare time? What are some of my hobbies? My response was pretty typical. I enjoy the outdoors, love hunting, love fishing, and etc." Then came the controversial response. I really enjoy playing pool. The looks on the interview faces were of no surprise until I said, no, I really, really enjoy playing pool. I mean, I go to bars and taverns to play pool. Well, can't you play pool in a pool hall or in a home, said one interview. Asked one interviewer, yes, but one, there is not a pool hall near, and two, not a lot of people have homes large enough to play pool, and three, most of the good or excellent pool players play in bars. Well." After being hired and a few warnings of how I should conduct myself, I played pool in bars and taverns on the North Oregon coast. In fact, one of my favorite places to play pool, and still is, called the Desdemona Club. I played at that bar for two years, three years, three times a week, several hours a day. I got to play against and with the owner of the Desdemona Club. When I would play during the lunchtime hour, she would push pause on her bartending if there was not a lot of patrons to serve. In fact, I got to know her so well that I asked her to write me a reference letter. I want to read you this reference letter. I was asked if I would write a character reference for Bob Yunker, and my immediate thought was gladly. I have known Bob for about a year now and I have found him to be one of the most pleasant men I have been around in a long time. He is quite settled and secure within himself and very diligent in whatever he tries to do. He has a personality that enables him to get along well with people without discord. I sincerely feel that whatever Bob tries to do, he will do. He will be successful as he pays attention to detail. I wish him luck in all that he tries to do. Owner of the Desdemona Club, Karen K. Buckman. This was written January 27th. Two thousand and four. In fact, if there are individuals listening in, following this podcast, who may have occupied or been at the Desimo Club, or you may even know Karen, boy, I'd love to connect with her. In each of my ministries, I've been open and honest with leaders, church members from the pulpit, etc. I enter and exit taverns, bars at any time, day or night different hours of the day i've met some incredible individuals in bars and taverns such as the gal i introduced to you named karen in fact karen had once told me that being a part bartender is similar to being a counselor where you'll be a where you're a listening and a sounding board to individuals who have struggles hurts hang-ups and addictions i have seen the hurt the joy camaraderie friendships and bars in fact, one of my youth group kids, mother frequented the same bar I played pool. This young gal wondered where her mom was and why it took her so long to come home on Thursday nights. The same night I had pool league. Last year I introduced myself to a gentleman who thought I thought visited our church. Come to find out nobody nope. I saw him again and I said hi to him. Assuming he attended the church, when I saw him at the bar a few nights earlier, I had introduced myself and I was a pastor. So when I saw him a few days later at a different store in a different circumstance, he in fact said, "No, I don't attend church." But what are your service times? And so I shared with him the service times. I saw him on a Sunday morning, and he said, "It's awesome to know a pastor who goes to bars and hangs out." With individuals without prejudice or condemnation. He's been coming off and on ever since. Out in here in Harney County, we really only have two places to play pool in bars or taverns. After worship practice last week, I decided to head over to one of our local bars to decompress and to hit some balls around the pool table. I walk in with my pool cues and begin my routine. As an observer of the environment, I see that the pool table was empty and by the looks of the bar, it was going to be a quiet night. After my second rack of balls, I was beginning to question my decision. My practice turned into frustration. I was missing some easy routine shots. As I was finishing up my rack, I noticed a gentleman walk up to the empty bar and ask for quarters as this potential player was making eye contact with me. At the same time, a large group comes in and occupies two picnic tables, two picnic benches near the head of the pool table. The location of these tables makes breaking and shooting very inconvenient. This lonely gentleman walks beside the two picnic tables and walks up to me with a glass of beer and quarters in one hand and a baseball cap in the other, and he walks over to me with an odd strut. He slurs his words and asks me if I'd be willing to play him. I obliged and, with preconceived thoughts of this is going to be a frustrating game of pool, I settled in the fact that I can always learn something about myself or learn something about every circumstance I face. He asked me if I drink, and I, sh- I assumed he meant, I- do I drink during playing pool or at the bar? I said, no. And with a surprised look on his face, he said, really? Then to clarify my assumption that he was asking me if I drink at the bar, I said, well, I have maybe a glass of beer or a wine here and there, but not really a drinker. We began to play our rack. His words, posture, and decisions was a, were a little slow. Then he finally asked me the exciting question, a question that I receive every time I meet someone new at the table. Can you guess what that question is? You're exactly right. What do do i do for a living i'm a pastor his response was memorable not because of what he said but what he did not say the look on his face was as if to say no beep he looked straight into my eyes without bleaking as if he wanted to investigate the back of my school i usually break these types of awkwardness moments with something funny or a deflection of some sort but i stare back into his red confused and bewildered eyes i explained what church i minister at and how long i've been there he interrupts me quickly but deliberately and said we're supposed to meet tonight i thought it very strange but i brushed it off as a comment as if it was enhanced by alcohol and nervousness we continued some small talk sharing with each other how we have similar acquaintances he revisited the fact that I was a pastor and was quite surprised that I would be at the bar. After some more awkward moments at the pool table with large group occupying their dreaded table, we shook hands and he didn't wanna let go of my hand and made me even more frustrated and a little bit nervous. As I was harboring frustration because of the easy shots I was missing and this is going to be a long game of pool, and then noticing that the competitiveness was brewing inside my body, I just wanted just to finish the game But he wanted to talk and to drink and play a little pool. As our game progressed, I was a few balls away from the eight ball. The gentleman paused from his walk around the pool table and said, Gosh, I know we're supposed to meet. I approached the pool table, committed to run out the table to finish the night with a win and a shallow conversation in my back pocket. My opponent unlocks his phone, paused, looks at me with glazed eyes and said again, We were supposed to meet. He is now scrolling through messages after messages on his phone, trying to recall someone, uh, a message someone sent him. He finally locates the message and tries to read it, but because of his state of mind, his body, and his eyes altogether would not cooperate with one another. He hands me the phone and asks me to read. Blessed are God's children who have faith in him, for they will have peace. God loves you, and be blessed. This persistent stranger begins to explain the context of the message. I stand up, confidently walk up to the table, easily pocketing the eight ball in the left corner pocket with a solid medium-speed stroke. I shake the gentleman's hand, and he would not let go of my hand as we shook. I tell him I've got to go. I've got to get home tonight to my family. The gentleman begins to tell me that his family and himself are from the Assembly of God Church, and he's a third-generation timber follower. And he gets back to his text message as he says it was, a, it was a random message to him. Although he has a faith background, he was bewildered about the message regarding faith. He begins to share with me that maybe this message that he had sent to him was not about him but to me, and I inwardly roll my eyes. But then reassured me, that we were supposed to meet. I slowly begin to put my pool cues away and I share with him that these moments are called divine appointments. Jesus arranging the chess pieces on his chessboard. Let me leave you with three take homes. Number one. What you just heard was from a gentleman by the name of Father Ray Kelly, a friend of mine who is from Ireland, who came to our hometown this last year and blessed us with some incredible music and his rendition of the R.E.M. song, Everybody Hurts, including me, including you, we hurt sometimes, including this gentleman who was frustrated, who was lonely, Who was discouraged, and his coping skills had left him empty. I too was frustrated, but let me show you something else. Take home number two: being in the people business, it gets ugly, it gets messy, and it gets wildly exciting. All the people you meet that come across your journey. If you're a a bank teller, gas station attendant, a CEO, a pastor business owner, caretaker, hospital employee, a nurse, you know that being in the people business, it gets ugly. We're going to talk about things getting ugly in the next episode. Point number three, people ought to move you. I'm sure you've been upset, angry, disappointed in people. They have moved your emotional needle in a negative direction. The moving I'm referencing to is the seed of all of our motions inside, the depthness, our character where people move us. Moving our emotions, moving our perspectives, people ought to move our understanding. Sometimes people move us because we care, we love, and we know and understand that people matter. I was moved the other night in a variety of ways. I came to grips that night. As I was there for my own prerogative, my own need, I wanted to just decompress. But the divine appointment introduced me to someone who was hurting. Instead of being too competitive and being too narrow-minded, I was moved to being sympathetic. I was moved to see him as Jesus saw him. I was moved with compassion. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 reads this, When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Several chapters later, When Jesus landed from across the lake and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. The word compassion. The word compassion comes from the place of the inner parts of someone, the inner parts of Jesus. If you were to take a look at it from the physical perspective, it would be from the bowels. From the depthness and character of who Jesus is, he was moved. His character is compassion. His emotion is compassion. It's who he is. Be in the moment long enough to listen to someone, even if the smell of their hurts are deeply distracted.